Well, listeners, welcome to the dining room table in Lawrence, Kansas, <laughs> for another episode of Talk With Me. I am super excited right now for a lot of different reasons. My guest, who I'm going to keep as a secret for a few minutes, is doing all kinds of awesome stuff. I was looking at this event list and going, holy moly. And here in Lawrence, Kansas, where I am, there are two things I am so, so happy about. The last couple of days, I've been in conversation with poets who are coming in for this big event in Kansas City called Fountainverse, KC Small Press Poetry Fest. Um, some small presses re representing a lot of diversity and a lot of geography, poets, workshops, readings, fun, connecting. Fountainverse is this awesome thing, again, October 12th through 14th in Kansas City. And the reason I'm mentioning that is both because, hey, I'm in Lawrence, Kansas, which is very close to Kansas City, and also three wonderful people from Fountainverse, three, three wonderful friends of mine who all have this thing in common of Epic Rights Press um, are coming to Lawrence, Kansas, doing a reading, and so I'm just going to say the details there. Thursday, October 11th at Lucia Beer Garden and Grill in downtown Lawrence, Kansas. The event is titled Epic Rights Poetry. The three featured poets from Epic Rights are Wolfgang Karstens, who's from Sherwood Park, Alberta, Canada, Rob Plath, who's from Long Island, New York, and Todd Cirillo from New Orleans, Louisiana. And they are joined by Lawrence Treasures, Macy Webb, and Barry, Barry, I want to say, I'll just say it like his Facebook name, Barry Washboard Barnes. <laughs> he's a musician. He's a Zoom instructor. He's a poet. He's a, an activist. He's, I'm so excited. And last night we were talking about arrangements for the guys who are traveling and, and wordplay, of course, has to happen with uh, poets. So there were some funny, funny exchanges about details of who's getting where when. Anyway, Epic Writes Poetry on Thursday, October 11th here in Lawrence, Kansas. And that is, that is going to be an awesome event, as is the whole Fountainverse weekend. And now we're going to change geography heading south to Georgia for our guest today, which is, this is really, really wonderful. Um, this is somebody who's doing so many things, poetic and radio and all these cool things and has such a busy schedule coming up. I'm kind of thinking, wow, how did we even fit this in with all the events? I want you to welcome, and I'm going to be very formal at the beginning, Charles Clifford Brooks the Third. Yay! <laughs> <laughs> it seems to take forever. You know, you said Charles Clifford, you'll make a basket, you can go drink some milk, go cut the grass. Clifford Brooks. But then you have an article. Your name is too damn long when you got an article. The third. Hey. It's good to be here. <laughs> Very good. Very good. All righty. So How are you doing, Martin? I am good, thank you. I am really, I like I said, I, I'm super excited about things going on, and and the art stuff fuels me for the hard stuff. That's my social work. So it's a it's a perfect thing. You know, I think about a long time ago. I chose this tagline of at the intersection of art and mental health, and that is exactly where I live. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's where poetry stays, ironically yes. enough. Yes, so, yes. 
you have you have pitched your tent in the right place. This is very cool. So tell us a little bit about your neck of that world. A little bit about who you are, Cliff. Uh, um, as far as what I have coming up, um, there are um, this Sunday in uh, Canton, Georgia, is a really neat event called Inklings. Um, and I love how Robin Blount, Robin Blount is the one who put this together. And I love when people have a communal feel, I'm not trying to get all hippie. Um, um <laughs> about it i was gonna get more derogatory but i won't um and not, but she you know she sets up tables so people can come in and um they, they bring food and uh people selling books and um shake hands with one another people could come in um and the, and the event is actually i think very appealing to the audience that um that shows because and it's and it's so it's so popular because there's no backbiting and um and and, and snarky you know all, you know off, over the shoulder comments to each other but the, the public get to see how writers can actually um, behave and get along with one another and sell their wares and, 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 and kind of, tr- you know, share trade secrets. And then for the first 45 minutes, they can, you know, the, 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 those that come can buy books and talk to the authors and whatnot. And then about an hour into it, after everyone's eaten and sold books, uh, they sit down and they have somebody get up and give a speech about different things. Last time they had it, I think two or three months ago, I was the one that gave a speech on um, how to trademark and brand your, your art. Um, and this time, it's obviously somebody new. I'm looking very much forward to it. And, um, and there are two more events, one in Columbus, Georgia, called um, Chattahoochee Rights, and then one in Woodstock at uh, Chattahoochee Technical College called CTC Rights. Um, my, the event that I honestly have to stop and like brace myself to act like a manly band man and not squeal like a little 14-year-old girl. <laughs> As uh, as the Pat Conroy Center. That is Center so mad, Cliff. I'm gonna call you out on that. Like, like, oh my God, I can't believe I'm doing this. It's the uh, it's it's the Pat Conroy Center uh, events that I'm yeah. reading um, in the very beginning of October. Um, um and that's in South first, Carolina, right? Yes, yes. I mean, I, I just uh, it just I mean, I I can't even even see straight. I mean, it's one of those things where when they send me my email, like, oh, we've got you three. I think um, the, like the from the first of October through the third. And uh, the first two events I'm giving, one is at the University of South Carolina, and then uh, it's through the same program. And then I'll give my next two out there at the actual center, and they're like, you know, can we can bring you out here and put you up in a hotel and let you hang out by the beach and bring you your food and, you know, and send you home a little money? Are you cool with that? I'm like, you damn skippy. You damn skippy. I'm okay with that. You just tell me when and the where, you know. Um, and so my girlfriend and I are going to go out there for a few days, and she won't even – she's great. She's like, I'm not going to cut you any flat because you're taking me on a free vacation. I was like, well, you can stay home. Now I know she's awesome. And then um, uh, I think to round all that out, um, uh, later on the 25th of October, back in uh, Chattanooga, Chattanooga, Tennessee, um, at Starline Books, uh, me – and I know that um, fellow, fellow Southern Collective Experience member T.M. Brown, novelist, will be there. And um, SCE member um, uh, Yancey, um, D.O. Yancey II, we're playing music. And I think we have a really tight third, um, and it's another poet. He's a local to Chattanooga, but I'm not going to say his name yet so I get him firmly on board. Um, but we're going to have a discussion up there on the 25th at Sterling Books at 630 in uh, Chattanooga, Tennessee, um, about how um, dialogue is important, and not only prose, but how you use it in poetry. Uh-huh. And then a lot of the... People again, you know, we 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 always read from our works, but uh, we found that the the audience is far more eager to see the camaraderie and uh, and ask more questions and hear more about the the offbeat 
Um, and what I mean by that is all, not often not often talked about um, uh-huh. points of poetry, like how you actually get out and sell it, how you actually get out and and you know put it put a name on it, a brand on it, you know the effectiveness of how to read poetry and not sound like a speak and sell um, <laughs> things, things things that um that, that go beyond like I love similes, well, I prefer metaphors. Ugh, you know we've all done that. We've all done that. So um, that's 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 what I have. I love this show. I can't tell you how much I love being on this show. Um, that's what we've got coming up. That's 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 my immediate future. And so I'm thinking, you know, of course, the events that you've mentioned we're going to have on the Talk with Me page with this podcast post, and then you've got a calendar page on the website southerncollectiveexperience.com so people can head there to go like what did they say is going on i want to catch it right yeah yeah okay that's where to go folks southerncollectiveexperience.com go to the calendar and you can find the events and and like i I love that you kind of just dropped in there that southern collective experience includes music poetry, yeah, other kinds of writing. So tell us a little bit about that. What what is what's happening with Southern Collective Experience these days? It's uh, it's, it's it's ridiculous. Um and uh, <laughs> uh the the idea of it came um when my first book, The Draw Broken Eyes of Worldly Metaphysics, dropped in twenty thirteen. And um I again I, I don't bemoan something that I see a loss in when I did and again I'm not standing up to say I recreated the wheel but um, I didn't see a, a great deal of, um, of genuine friendships between artists. And I know they're all over the place. I'm not saying that you know, artists never thought to be friends with other artists. But, you know, I, I sat down and I, I created this idea of, like, it would, first it was just going to be a safe place for artists who had, um, who had come a certain distance in the business. And, um, and at, at a certain business, I think once – and, again, you know, I don't know why. And this is the only vocation that if you talk about money, you have to whisper it or yourself. I don't know why the hell that is, but – once you got to a place where you're not rolling in it, but you you find some kind of financial success, I noticed in the art world that people began not people in general, just you know, just in an immediate circle of that that vocation, begin to kind of side eye look at you, and um, it's not to be snarky or snobby or you know, to, 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 we were better than, but just to have you know something that's um, that's centric to a group that uh, has has been greeted and met and hard worked for some success. And want to be around some others, not to brag about it, but just not to feel like they can't say, "Hey, I had this really cool thing happen to me." Hey, mm-hmm. I had this, you know, really cool job offer, and not have to be met with like, "Well, that must be nice." Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, ass, it is nice, you know. But I mean, that's not what I'm telling. And so the the collective started really again picking up steam in like 2014, 2015. Today, the website um, SouthernCollectiveExperience.com has been updated by vertical to just blow my mind. And I know it's just ones and zeros and I won't let Celeste Duckworth, who owns that company, tell me how she did it. Because to me, I just want to believe that unicorns and Griffins from, from, you know, from Hogwarts Absolutely. came over and did it because it's just, but it, it's the, the lineup of the talent we have there um, is not indicative or a showing of me. These are people that have done me the enormous honor of saying, Cliff, we, we're pretty sure you're nuts. We're pretty sure that you should be in a hospital somewhere, but your idea is pretty cool. And um, have uh, come along and been a part of it. It's, 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 and again, people say, so it's only poets? And I'm like, oh, God, no. And I love poetry. Obviously, I am one. But uh, to be uh, surrounded by them all the time, I don't know if that's good for anybody. Uh-huh. So we have, um, we have musicians. We have filmmakers. We have uh, prose writers. We have photographers. Um, we have um, musicians from every genre. Um, art is art. 
And uh, it's, again, not trying to be, you know, vanilla uh, or, or, you know, homogenous about it, but, you know, there is a, um, there's a commonality in the, in the yes. passion, no yes. matter what branch you take on. Yeah. And so now, um, you know, I've really, I've, we, we've really, as a, as a group, many of us have um, not to lose our identity. That was one thing when I sat down with the collective, to design the Southern Collective Experience. Um, and you don't have to be from the South to be in this thing. I mean, pe- many people have been like, they're racist. They're like, number one, that's racist, what you just said. But two, I mean, to say, like, no, nobody below this line, the Mason-Dixon, could be in this thing, it's just stupid. It's just stupid. And so our tagline is everybody's south of somewhere. You know, as long as it's more having, you know, it, it, it's, all, it's all having this mentality of, um, of uh, you know, just, just live and let live. You know, this, um, be, being professional without being a jackass about it. Uh-huh. And we um we uh, we have members from all over the country, and uh, we've had you know member we have affiliates in at Yale and Harvard, and, and we have affiliates over in, uh, in California, over in Britain, one in Germany. Um, we you know we have, they're all over the north. You know, and all, we don't you know as long as you you know you you meet the criteria of um, professionalism and integrity and good humor, we're pretty much to love you no matter what you look like or where you're from. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, you know, then the collective uh, decided that we were going to kind of have some side projects, and we created the Blue Mountain Review. That is, uh, that that's my sweetheart. Um, it's uh, a, it's a journal of culture. We did have it come out once every season, but we didn't want to feel rushed to meet a season if we didn't have enough material there to make something that we really were proud of. So uh-huh. we've taken it off that system, and, we, and it comes out not just when it comes out flippantly, but we have it more numbered that. Um, the next one comes out in October, and you can go mm-hmm. into the website and see all the last issues. And then we have the NPR show called Dante's Old South that we just recorded the newest um, uh, newest edition of yesterday oh. in Chattanooga, Tennessee, with, through WUTC. And all of those past um, uh, all those past shows are on our website as well. It's all mm-hmm. conveniently and easy to use. The site is extremely easy to navigate. And the new show will come out. Um, it's very, it sounds very cloak and dagger. The, the radio show comes out every month that has a fifth Sunday. And so we have, it'll come out the last Sunday of this month at uh, 8 o'clock on, um, on uh, NPR, with the next recording being in December. And um, yesterday's, I say it every time, but yesterday's was my new favorite. I mean, it really, I mean, I, just, I, mean, I won't go into all the, all the people on the show, but I mean, it's the, the, the whole. And they actually have to go in and see my accountant to talk about LLCing this, this other collective experience. I will never forget his face. He's looking over all this stuff, going, "You know, Cliff, this this shouldn't exist, right?" I'm like, "Okay, are we in the matrix? Do I take a pill now? Because I'm not ready for that. I am not ready for that. I'm not the one, bro." Um, and it's not like we're about to take over condos and buy a city block, but um, you know, the the police did not catch Al Capone. The IRS did, and I've got the wrong hair to go to prison. So I let somebody who's uh, a professional take over that kind of stuff, but just to see, um, and again, he's not, he's the last person in the world to try to float some flattery by me, but to, to, to have him sit with me and, and see where, you know, we had sit down and really willed something out of nothing to become uh-huh. something that uh, people look to and, and um, it actually turns a, a profit, not just for those who are involved, but um, to, to turn around and help the community and, and boost the, the, the reputation of others outside the group. Awesome. 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 And and so you all and y'all do events like in in person events that feature music and poetry and stuff like that. I mean, you you do all yes. kinds of things. Yeah. Yes. I mean, it's just, we 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 want to break the mold of um poetry readings because I again I feel like I'm being such a snob. But I mean, Cliff, you want to go to poetry reading? Hell no. And I love <laughs> poetry. I do, but it's more the um um uh, PBS had me read. I'm not trying to name drop. Just you can go and actually find the stuff online. 
they got a hold of my PR dude at the time, and his name is my PR agent. They're my PR dude, a PR <laughs> agent at the time. And I uh, said, uh, you know, we want Cliff to read his favorite poem, and we're going to post it in this series we're doing for PBS, Public Broadcasting. I'm like, oh, I know what I'll do. I know what I'll do. And so you can go see it. Again, you can find this online. Uh-huh. I'm reading on poetry readings by Bukowski. I'm not a big Bukowski fan, okay. but but uh, it, 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 it starts out, poetry readings are the saddest damn things ever. And and he's not being really irreverent either, but it's, it, it's, it, it's kind of attacking the, the stereotype. Right. Where it's like we're, every month we'll meet in this room, and as long as you tell me that I'm a genius, I'll tell you that you're a genius. And no one really goes over the product or the material. And again, if, and I'm not saying that that's bad. I mean, please don't think that I'm being an, um, a narcissist about this. But, I mean, for me, I like – if everybody if everybody comes up and says, man, that was so good, if everybody says that, I'm like, what are y'all is lying? Yeah. You know, um, I like being challenged, and that's what we kind of do with our readings. But we don't mm-hmm. – we leave it open to those who come to the open mic, that whether or not they want to be a part of the after, sit down and say, hey, I really like this. I didn't really understand that. Well, that poem was really strong with this poem here. To see – because you, can, you know as well as I do, we know this. You can give constructive criticism and not hurt people's feelings. Right. But on the other side of that, you have to be able to hear something other than you're a genius and not cry and say, I'm going to take my ball and go home. Right. But there's also a way to give criticism where you're not just being a jerk, like where you're obviously mm-hmm. that person is better than you. Being able to have people come in and see it, maybe like the first time or the second time, but being able to listen in and hear us all talk about our work and we're not being mean and we're able to take criticism, that has been the single most popular thing in anything we've done. Mm-hmm. That that has been a thread that's drawn people to what comes because it just it screams we're not assholes, you know we're not going to get up and, and, and beat you in the head. I don't know how much I can curse on this show. I'm sorry about that. But uh, so um, when when <laughs> he's in that right in the middle of that word, I'm like I don't know if I can say that. You can but, say whatever um, you need to say, Cliff. It's all good. Okay, cool. <laughs> uh, but especially and then when we when we perform, we'll have like a we typically have a tutorial at the very beginning of every event that we have, depending on what it is. Sometimes we jump right into the material, but we'll have like prose writers and poets. And then we'll have a musician or two play that, um, not to be uh, cliche, but or to have a kind of kind of have a shtick, but it does have a very festival, yeah. um, concert type feel to it. Yeah. So everything that we do, we tend to bring bring in all the flavors because, um, not to try to appeal to everybody, but just if you can have people leave your event and go, I don't know what in the hell just happened in there, uh-huh. but that was awesome. It's well, the see, best advertising you can ever put on. That is that is so cool, and that is something that you and I have in common. Um, this will be happening before this this show is uploaded. But every year on World Suicide Prevention Day, ooh, the S word, um, I host this event that, because I called it this in the beginning, I still call it this, Words Save Lives. And, and the reason for me referring to art saving lives came from conversations with artists of different kinds, you know, and, and people in audiences who would talk about, you know, what impact it had on them. And so at Words Save Lives, my thing is, we are in no way in hell having four hours of sad poetry about suicide. What we are having, poets of lots of different tones, stand-up comics, musicians, storytellers we added a drag performance this year we're adding somebody who does this acrobatic stuff so it's like arts and it's this whole thing about it it communicates it connects and it, dang it if we aren't gonna laugh i do not want to be there you know right and so i love that that's that kind of mixing it up thing is what you're doing with southern collective experience in all these different ways 
And the other thing I want to say, bringing it to, to like real life, is that the thing you said about the the willingness, the eagerness, the the care and and honesty about doing critiquing together. It's like this is a real life skill as well. You know, in 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 my work, because I work in mental health, there are there's a lot of emphasis, as there should be, on is what you're doing making a difference, you know? And formal research, you know, is is conducted on, you know, is this approach or that approach. In the meantime, there are also, there's certainly encouragement for us to get some feedback, you know. And and one of the things that sticks in my mind is that if you're getting the highest rating on every question you're asking, you're not asking the right questions. <laughs> right. <laughs> so I love that that you all are eager for real genuine feedback for working for improving. The woman, uh, Janetta Cal- Calhoun, who's the um, poet laureate of Oklahoma, she, I love that she refers to herself as a practicing poet. And, and talks right. about that work, 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 and improve, you know, it's not a done deal. And so I love that emphasis. That's great. Thank Doing you. cool stuff. And you know what? I think by now you, you need to show us your stuff. You yeah. And it, I would, I, um, <laughs> well, actually, I, I worked in uh, social services for a decade. I did um, six years um, as a juvenile probation officer. And then I did uh, four years with uh, social services with mm-hmm. half of that spent in foster care and the other half with um, what was called uh, like preventative services where we went in when they just were beginning to find some trouble to try and put a, mm-hmm. um, not just a bandaid, but a suture on it to, to, right. to try and, to, to try and um, to heal that wound for the long haul. But as of when I was a juvenile probation officer, I wrote a poem that's in Athena Departs, my new book, and the poem is called The Keeper of Grief. And it was as my life as a caseworker. Uh-huh. Case files are photocopied on wax paper with ink drawn from formaldehyde. My job is to log a child's long haul and scribble down the basics. After they've been mauled. It is an act of incessant hindsight. You see, I am an intruder, the poorest man's confessor. Childhood curls, hopeful girls, you sleep and shit so thick, it's slick on my shoes. Daddy's lullabies are prison terms, cigarette burns, and unwanted daughters. The unorphaned orphans have faces vacant in the important places. Tonight, my black robe is faded on its hook, and my white collar is frayed. So I pray. And new dawn is new hate. So I point out the liar, the arsonist, and the thief. For I am the hypocrite and the idiot and the keeper of grief. And to jump from that little ball of joy, (laughs) we are like, God, I got to the end. That stole a piece of my soul. Seriously, um, but, but I want to say something about that, Cliff, because it is it is hard to listen to, and it is also, sadly, too many kids 
real lives. And to have somebody, to have you do that work, write that piece, show that this work is touching your soul, to me, is proof that you were doing good work, that you were genuinely caring about those kids, you know? And as hard as that is, I mean, that that's sort of how, like for me, it's that same thing. If I'm not affected by this, the things people honor me with, the, the stories that they that they feel safe enough to share, if I'm not moved by those, I need to- You're in the wrong word. Yeah. Exactly, exactly. So it's it's a hard balancing act of having enough for that. One of my choices in life is I am not going to watch a bunch of really horrifying stuff on film or read it in literature. No, no, no. I, I save that exposure for when it's real life and somebody needs to say it. Right. Yeah. Right. Um, in my chat book, The Exiles of Eden, this is a book that kind of serves as a bridge between um, my first book and my second book. So it's, um, it was, it's supposed to be a, a 200 um, issue limited edition, but it, it picked up so much speed that we let it go a little beyond that. And my, pu- my publisher, Kudzuli Press, um, you can find them under the same name on the web, on the internet. Um, they have been amazing. They've been amazing. They're out of, they've been out of, they are out of Atlanta, Georgia. And um, their team, husband and wife, that I mean, I just, couldn't do without and um the, i mean the, the structure the discipline that they've given and also the freedom to allow the artists to pick, pick kind of what they want and i've never understood because as a side note why the why a publisher would not want the book to look within reason what the what the artist wants because uh-huh. not to be a boss or, or or you know a power freak but you know um if the i, mean, I just can i can imagine like this thing you've worked so hard on every time you look at the cover you winced in pain because it was so terrible, which just kind of would damage. But I see that all the time. I see it all the time. And Cousy Lee Preston do that. And um, mm-hmm. so in Exiles of Eden, they put a poem called Saturday Chacon. Chacon is a musical device that Bach used where you, he literally put, now he's the one that did put a big old lie. He lied, lied, lied. But he said, anybody with the same kind of discipline and time can sit down and do what I did. I'm like, Bach, what? Well, no, shut. I want to go back in time and slap the taste out of his mouth. You are a genius. It's okay to say that. A chacon is a is a musical device where you have three songs played at the same time within one piece of music. And so I didn't not saying I did this within my poem, but there's in my first book there's Friday chacon, and then there's Saturday chacon. You know what? I have never done this before. Oh, Factor apparently hit their limit. 
So now they're here with scribbled epitaphs that whisper, the heart doesn't always win. Nor is family loyal to their tortured son. So I decide to inscribe my insanity in a tattoo venue. Now, the motto of my family's melancholy is carved into muscle over time. For the blood spilt in that chair is theirs as much as mine. Benim Respis is forever on my left arm. Later, on four fat tires, we careen into the old decor of New Orleans. This eatery has been renamed, but it's still the same. Daddy sits inside, smiling. My old man is always smiling. And we watch the waning sun set across Broad Street over the arches that urge us to understand that the ache of youth passes. Age has a slanted perspective. And nothing is wasted with good company. Ah, as evening winks in, a dogwood lets petals drift. Saturday should come. And that was about being uh, day, that's uh, Sunday, or Saturday in Athens, Georgia. And Sunday Chacon is about a similar day. And I don't, I don't know, now Friday Chacon, again, that's where the three is going to come from in me, to finish up that little story, put a little bow on that. There's going to be a three-part Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, but I don't know when it's going to be, and I can't make it up, and it's got to, I'm just so anal about this, so OCD kicks in. It's got to be a Friday. It's got to, you, uh-huh. you know, we, we all carry around those little moleskin notebooks, and, you know, so it's like, it's just like some of the, it sounds just sounds so whimsical, but I'm like, this, it's going to be a magical day. I'm going to write all this down. And uh, so as gruff as I can sound, let me put in some Peter Pan. Yay, y'all, let's eat some Twinkies and get it on. So um, this next one, Sunday Chicone, is when I was in Atlanta. This was few, This was years before Saturday was written. And I was with a different friend. And he and I were just, you know, bustling around. So Sunday Chicone. Drinking absinthe outside the vortex my friend buys lunch sinatra sings in a passing car as pink hair street creatures and we two lucid revelers step on the same sidewalk barely brushing the ground traveling asphalt tributaries tree thin museums rise up stone carves itself into forms Graffiti blurs into an urban pollock. Shop windows warp our reflections. Atlanta concrete greets us. Her face, many faces. Skyscrapers lose us among anthropology students. Homeless, squatting with styrofoam cups, don't accost us. We are happily ambivalent oozing around eye contact invisible a speck in the sea of this city crowds hush air shimmers and pigeons burst upward then did you go all right so the um, um... 
getting back to you were talking about that that word Chacon and Bach and and the three. So tell tell me what tell us a little bit about what what intrigued you with that concept. Um. I got into poetry, and this is something, I mean, I used to, I mean, I felt like, you know, when I first got into poetry, people was like, you know, so why'd you become a poet? It's something I talk about often, and I don't think I really talk about it a great deal. Um, music, to me, is the, is the source of, of everything. I mean, um, classical music, jazz, the blues, those being, like, my three go-tos. Um, the mathematics behind it, I love math. And um, the mathematics and the timing behind it, to understand it, to sit there and listen and listen again and listen again especially when you have so many moving parts and pieces as in classical music. And then to sit back and go, what in the hell was that person like? That sat down and in their head put this thing down, which to me is beyond, without being humble, beyond anything I can do with words. How do they do that? And then to find out what these people were like and read their biographies um, and become fascinated in that. And when I realized um, that I wasn't going to be able to beg out of an instrument, when I was gonna, when, I, when I was going to be able to sit down with a piece of sheet music and write out some kind of a symphony composition, nocturne, um, a sonata that I wasn't going to be able to make a minuet move the way Mozart did, it 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 didn't didn't sadden me. I said, okay, well, what do I have that I can make music with? Mm-hmm. And um, for a majority of my life, probably the first thirty years, um, I exclusively wrote prose, and um, I would write some poems now here and there, but I never really thought myself that in. Um, an agent decided that I'd make a damn good poet and I was not going to argue with him. So I, um, switched my gears and I found like, this is where I can make music. This is where that music comes from. Mm-hmm. Um, experimenting with words and reading them out loud over and over and over and over again, um, can sometimes drive your roommates, your, you know, your, your significant other girlfriend crazy. Um, but, uh, it's, it's vital to hear that internal rhyme that brings people along in time, tapping their foot. Like they really, and I, and I would, I would experiment with reading groups where I would get up and I would try to read and I would watch over the top of my page, over the top of the page of the book and see if people's heads would stop start to bob like you do when you listen to music. And I think that, um, it, because people say, you know, if there was something closer than brother and sister, that's what, um, music and poetry is. Um, it's, it's just silly to me that people say, no, there's this gulf in between poetry and, but no, it's not music. Music typically has, um, or songwriting to say has a songs have a, um, have a, have a hook and a chorus and poet, poets, poetry, you know, it doesn't always have that, but, um, the, there is some relationship closer to the brother and sister. I believe that's where poetry and songwriting would, 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 would exist. Mm-hmm. Um, a great example of this, if you have a poet and songwriter named Kodak Harrison, uh, he was on the show yesterday. His 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 work I've never found any that that really dances that line so fine that you can't really tell which was a song and which was a which a poem. Mm-hmm. So I mean I became a poet and and, and the my uh, being a high functioning autistic uh, prime numbers um, sounds um, the the, um, the affect with people kind of the distance and not you know, the inability to kind of read social cues. It doesn't make me feel ostracized, but I do sometimes feel apart. Like you know my my newest book and it's not ever to be dramatic and I don't feel like I belong in society. Not even that garbage, but Athena Departs, Gospel of a Man Apart is my new book. It's just a man apart from kind of himself and apart from his, his old ways. And also, in a, in a real way, apart from um, apart from um, mainstream society, not in any kind of superiority idea or complex, but um, in, a, in the affect and not being able to get it, I always felt comfortable in, in music. And so the Chacon, 
finding out what that was, um, uh, a deeper understanding of it. These things, and I think that when you when you take something um, that's, that's, seeming, that's seemingly complex and you don't oversimplify it, but you use it in your own work, people will walk away with an idea in, that, in their head. If somebody reads my work and they, they think it absolutely sucks, but then like in my first book, I have in the end of it, I have a whole run of poems on jazz musicians and say, man, your work sucks. But um, I read this poem that you had about Miles Davis. And I went and found his music and it's awesome. I'm not happy that you think my work sucks, but I am happy that you found something that you're going to be able to, that, that enriches your life. You know, right. that, that was, that, to me, when you get, when you turn somebody on to an artist of any flavor, um, and it just, and it, you know, you, like you have somebody come up and say like, how do you not know who Coltrane is, man? You're a moron. <laughs> well, you're just being an ass. You know, it's like, I'm excited. Like, oh, well here, listen to that. You know, it's, 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 it's how you, you open people's eyes and then, yeah. you, you know, and you mix genres. So, I mean, that kind of thing excites me as an educator. Yeah. Well, and as you say that, there, there are these variety of things that I think of. One that, that's just based on the, that jazz piece that you just talked about. The Poet Laureate of Kansas, Kevin Rabus, is a jazz musician as well as a poet. So I hope at some point you two will cross paths. <laughs> please, please, please. Tomorrow. I've got time this afternoon. <laughs> I was just sitting here like I'm on fifth. I was like, oh, woman, you better make this happen. Okay, yeah. sorry. That's awesome. Yeah. And the other thing is, you know, when you were talking about the closeness of music and poetry, the, the words come to my mind of a, of a friend and a, a person who lives in my community who is a muralist and a social activist. And his name is Dave Lowenstein, and he has done murals, community murals, so it brings people together around the concept and also the creation. He's done them in different parts of the world, um, not just different parts of the U.S. And Dave, one of the things Dave says is murals are visual poetry, you know? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it's that whole connection that all of these things are arts. And at least from my perspective, one of the things that, that I found myself saying loudly in art art circles in my own community was when we talk about public art and, and art, we need to make sure we're including word art as well. You know, that somehow right. it was like there are these arts that are visual, you know, paintings and sculptures and these kinds of things. And then there's dance and there, but, but it seems like any kind of writing was being left out of that concept of art. It's like, no, 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 this is art. This is important. Don't forget this when you're thinking about what kind of art to bring to people. And also those times when, when it's that combination, you know, not only like you were talking about with, with the Southern collective experience performances that are, lots of different kind of arts on the stage and discussion and all these different things. But also that thing of when very intentionally uh, visual art and word art is, is done together or dance and word art or whatever kinds of things, you know, those, those bringing together um, around a certain concept. I, I, I always, it's funny cause I always think about when I, I uh, think about art and poetry, um, a poet in the Kansas City area who's originally from Mexico, Janat Krasa, she is the one who, who explained to me that there's actually this this phrase, this word, the ekphrastic poetry, of course. Yeah, poetry. yeah, yeah. Yeah, and so, you know, it seems like in a lot of ways, uh, like your journal, you know, Blue Mountain Review, it's, it's that kind of a thing where you've got all these different... Thank you very much. Together. Yeah. 
it's important for people I'm to appreciate to do that. them all. Yeah, yeah, that's cool. Very cool. But for you, and for you, not but, but and for you, the the music is so important and the musicality of poetry. And again, that makes me think of this lovely woman that I met who's Dominican, who's in New York, um, Rina Espayat, and and she her native language is Spanish, and of course she's she's a she's she's been in this country a very long time, and she her English is of course perfect, but um, she would talk about times when she would do readings, and sometimes she would read some pieces in Spanish as well as some pieces in English, and and she talked about somebody coming over her over to her after a reading, and talking about how beautiful this piece that she that she read in Spanish was. And Rena said, you know, and so I asked her, you know, how did you happen to learn Spanish? And the person said, oh, I don't speak any Spanish. It was just so beautiful to listen to. It's like, yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like yeah. yeah. It's, I love having it on the page because I'd love to be able to savor it in that way and really, really reflect on the words. I love hearing it in the writer's voice. Unless the writer's Absolutely. voice isn't so soothing. Occasionally it's, it's a like, train no, wreck. No, no, it's a train wreck. Don't, yeah. no, I don't want your CD. I like your book, but no, I don't want it on CD. <laughs> you see, you're stealing my Christmas right now. You're actively stealing my Christmas. I came with such high hopes. You sound like Big Bird wrapped in a toaster. I didn't, I didn't know. I didn't know. I would have skipped this circus. I'm going to have nightmares now. And people's voices are people's voices, but also there is some learning about reading. <laughs> right. Right. I mean, it's something, again, it's like, I don't have all the answers, but it's, it's practice. And I mean, cause I can, I can talk like a machine gun. I've been told that many times. And my very first publisher gave me some of my best advice that Cliff, when you read your poetry and it's just like, Oh, that's so slow. Nobody, but I'll be damned. Um, it gives you the time to let everybody soak in every image. And also allows you to to change the ebb and flow um, of your reading. So really, the poem is never the same twice as you read it. Right. And it gives you it gives it a very kind of like beatnik jazz. Feel. I won't say beatnik, but just like a jazz feeling where it's like, yeah, man, you do want to snap at the end. Uh -huh. But I do have um. Can I kind of sneak in one more poem? Like I can find Absolutely. it because it's, it's, it's called um. It's in um. I've seen it apart, and um. And I've seen it about musicians and music. Ben Harper is like my bromance. I ain't gonna lie to you. Um, he, um, when they, he was going through a breakup, I was going through, but his music, uh, has transformed me over the years. And I remember who introduced me to him. I mean, like you said, those folks that introduce you to somebody who changes your life, be it personally or, or indirectly, I mean, they, they, they end up sticking with you. And, um, Ben Harper did an album with Charlie Musselwhite and has recently done another one. They're both blues albums. And so again, that's my, that's my jam. But in a song called You Found Another Lover and I've found, and I've lost another friend. He has the lines, I may lie to my heart, but my heart never lies to me. And I opened with my poem, the original title failed me in Athena Departs with this. And so I'll start again from the beginning. The title is called, the original title failed me. And it begins with Ben Harper's words, I may lie to my heart, but my heart never lies to me the song you've found another lover and i've lost another friend part one what is most uncommon is your skin the moment i brush it 
hold it closer to my cheek. The smooth calm of it keeps me in stasis when the world is usually a blur. The entire of you has severe lines, but not one hard edge. And this short drive to you gives me the gaps autos often provide where I recollect how exotic you seemed a week ago or last night. Or even now, I think about how your bangs frame a profile Beatrice would describe as beautiful and brave. Ah, you are foreign to me. And I didn't know then, and little more now, how to let what flows deepest in me come loose to you. You see, the wrenches for reaching so far have been lost over the years. Long in the tooth, bitter feels frighteningly permanent. Young lady, I don't have a lexicon or pliable language to let you know you're like snow in June. We shall always be suspicious things to a species stuck in neutral. We are not them, sweet pea. So give me one minute. A cigarette. The excuse to steal a hug. And in those scant seconds, we are scarcely seen in this busy cosmos. Before dinner, Jeff Buckley reminds us to have faith. Hallelujah. I realize the bedroom is our church, and a pearl necklace drapes around your neck. Your perfume is brand new, and it dents my sense of decency. Part two. While rambling around Rome with you, I could sense the college nearby I once enjoyed, and the complicity between us. Sunshine through a window lights up the gold flecks in your green eyes. Traffic isn't creeping or tragic in this hour slender in dissatisfaction and full of good feeling. You, me, it is different. Part three. Untimely fireworks explode in October this evening due to a July too wet to enjoy them. We watch the wild display and deem ourselves weird, but we're that perfect complimentary kind of weird where the heart is wholly unhindered. We are similar, but not mathematically exact. And from that wellspring comes our only poisonous discussion. This is no complaint, but more a point of interest. But Sugar Pop, how do you interpret it? And just then you said, I wish you allowed yourself time away from the galaxy in your head and more time in the stars with me. The original title failed me. Well, I'm not going to ask you to say anything about that because that one is so personal from that beginning to the ending. So people can. Oh, no, no, no. That's, that's one thing. That was, I, I was never, I'm not one of those poets. I'm not like, what does that mean? Oh, I can't tell you. Because, no, I mean, if, if I write it down and put it in the book and I, and I read it out loud, I mean, I, I leave it open to, to, for questions. I do. So, I mean, I don't, 
Yeah, but, you know, it's, it's up to you whether or not you have the time. But I mean, I'll, I'll tell you anything you want to know. <laughs> Within reason. Within reason. <laughs> no, it's I love quite it. beautiful. It's quite beautiful. That that poem is quite beautiful, and to me, it it is deeply personal. And you know, from the beginning, like I said, to the very end, about the galaxies and the stars, man. Yeah, in your head and and out with me. Yeah. Thank you. I think, yeah, that that is something. So, what are you what are you working on in terms of? Is there a book that's likely to be coming out in 2019 um there's a there's a there's a target chance um it's um it's a it's been floating around for a while it's called the um the 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 salvation of cowboy blue crawford and it's about blue crawford who is a cowboy um it's an epic poem um i'm in my first book there's a uh, um there's a long story short there's an epic Epic-ish type poem at the very end called the the Gateman's Hymn of Ignoration. That uh, while I was working social work and sitting there in court and seeing these monsters walk through with child molestation, beat their wives, beat their kids. You know, we've all been in some kind of situation where you thought something to the effect of it's going to be a place worse than worse than hell for these folks. And so I don't know what this says about me, but then no no idea of getting it published. I just created this whole other world of Ignoration and the idea of Dante in honor of him. Um, that was a place worse than the Inferno and. Um, I learned real quick, and I did a whole history of how that accidentally ended up in the book. I never thought anybody, not, again, not downing society um, by any chance, but I just didn't think people read things that long, especially in poetry. And it became one of the um, one of the um, most attractive parts of the book. So, again, just and if you can, if you're not writing, you hear some cliches or cliches have been around for a long time for a reason. And one of those is that if you don't really love what you're doing and love writing because it just makes you literally giddy to do it, and I mean giddy, I'll use that word as a grown man, giddy. To sit down and be like, "Ooh, I'm gonna write about a cowboy, and I'm gonna make it. Um, it's gonna have biblical and mythical underpinnings, and he's gonna have a lady that he's going to get, and then he's gonna have. And I'm gonna, what am I gonna name him? Okay, my favorite color is blue, and one of my family names, the city I grew up in, was called Crawford, Blue Crawford. That's gonna be his name, and um, he's gonna have a, a band with him. He's gonna have like a band, not like a musical band, but he's gonna have his rowdy bunch with him. He's gonna have like a guy who's real big and also a priest. We're gonna call him Father Hammer, and then we have a ninja." Because who doesn't want to have a ninja? I mean, seriously, again, I'm giving you all the playbook, and his name is Sword and Shadow. Why is he Sword and Shadow? I don't care. Came to my mind, makes me happy, that's his name. And then there's a wild-ass girl that's in love with Blue that's more dangerous than any of the guys in the car, which is typically the case, and her name's going to be Lily with one L, not two. Why? Because it makes me happy. I don't care. And they're driving across the south from New Orleans up to the, to the coast, in search of Miss Dixie. Why? Shit, I don't care. We're going to name her Miss Dixie. And she's been kidnapped by, uh, we'll call him Rice. I still don't know why, but big dude. He's a, he's a boss. He's a bad guy. And his uh, female cohort, kind of the opposite side of Lily, her name will be Mabel. Why? Well, there's a story behind that, but I'll tell you later off air. Um, then <laughs> they've got their fourth guy, who's kind of like this crazy schizophrenic, just, you know, nutball named Azazel. You know, so steal that from the angels. I'm going to name him that. Why? Because it makes me happy. And then I began to create this 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 mythical landscape. And um, while I was studying an MFA program um, recently, uh, many of my teachers would pick up on this mythology that I like to create. And I didn't, I didn't, I, honestly, it just to me, I don't think it's an autistic thing, as I've been told so many times. But it's like to to create a world in which makes sense. I think anybody likes that, you know. And not, not that they have not so much to play God, but like where people do things that make sense, say things that make sense, you know. 
And then there's still the fun of it. And so um, I've had people, I mean, I just, I've seen it apart. I think it came out like, I mean, damn, like four or five months ago. And then Exiles was maybe a little bit around the same time. People were like, when's, when's Blue coming out? I'm like, you need to go buy the new book. Give me some time. Damn. <laughs> um, so uh, <laughs> um, I, I'm, I'm making some, honestly, like in the, in the last month or so, um, I fell in love with a girl and she's awesome. Her name is Carolyn. And, um, and in that, not just because of her, not trying to, but in a large part because of the, the freedom of not, um, being so skeptical and not trying to be all sweetie. I like, you know, with a, you know, put a big old heart with our initials on a treat. But, um, uh, in that time that I got to kind of get out of myself and, 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 and really into somebody else, the, the idea of Lily and blue and, and all these different characters that are, that are in this story began to dance around my head again. And not in that creepy kind of Disney way, but, um, in, in, in a way that, um, I, I'm excited to get back into it. And at the same time, I, um, do the, you know, the, the MFA program I did, um, begin to write and it did help me. Um, I would never sit here and say that you need a piece of paper from any institution to tell you to be a poet or anybody gets all butthurt about that and wants to write me hate mail. Stop it. No, I'm not saying that. Um, but the, you know, they, the, the, some of the professors really did, um, really did push me to up my game. And, um, some of the new singular poems outside of Blue Crawford. Um, I would like to put into a chat book. Um, mm -hmm. I don't feel the whole idea, the academic, uh, the academia idea that if you don't publish a book every year, you're going to be forgotten is garbage. Mm -hmm. um, if that's your shtick and you can do that, my hat is off to you. Um, but I think just like with the Blue Mountain Review, if you're not ready to have it out, if you push it out any earlier, um, it's going gonna, it's gonna to seem extremely disingenuous and lack authenticity. Um, so that's a really long answer to your very simple question. Um, that, yeah, I can, I can see some, I can see a chat book and, um, I can see my mm -hmm. epic rolling out by the end of, uh, 2019. Mm -hmm. See, cool. I could have done that. That's like, I give the long answer than the cliff notes. <laughs> Get it? Cliff notes? Cliff notes. Okay, yeah, go ahead. Yeah, Sorry. Yeah. Gotcha. <laughs> You're a peach, Marcia. You're a peach. Uh I was talking to somebody who does a bunch of different kind of art, and she was saying how in this collective art space, and I, I sound like I'm telling a joke. I'm not telling a joke. Um, <laughs> this collective art space here in Lawrence called Percolator Lawrence, somebody had um, donated this whole set of materials for creating um, the the linoleum blocks to do, to create the blocks to do block printing. And so there's all these these um, pieces and all these tools to chisel with. And we're talking about how she could, because this is a, an art that she does. And I said, she was saying, you know, how she was thinking that maybe, you know, she, she might actually offer to do a class. And I said, and you know what you could call it? Block party. <laughs> <laughs> ah, so you've got your own. You can't give me hell about that. <laughs> I love you, Jed. I love you. <laughs> I love I love art and I love words and I love word play. You know, I, yeah, I love exactly. the, the words that have different kinds of meanings, you know, if you don't see them on the page and know what letter combination, then it could mean this and it could mean that. You know, and right. I and I, I mean often, that, I, Yeah. Yeah, I, I just I mean say, people get so <laughs> They get so wrapped up in like, you know, well, they didn't, what are they, and now, and let, the only caveat here is if somebody hears you read a poem and they come up and says, was that about how you beat children 20 years ago? Like, oh, God, no. I mean, as long as it's not something terrible, you know, I like, I like to hear how people, you know, take different things away from it. Yeah. So, you know, but again, you, you, it, it's still, you know, when you write it, have you put down something that you're happy with? 
You know, yeah. that's like like yeah, you're yeah. saying, I think that's what's most important. Yeah. But the weird thing what I was thinking about is like that here's one of my favorite, favorite, favorite poetry titles for a reading, and this is a real book. So the name of the book is Oliver Leaves. Okay, it's like all of her leaves. Yeah. She leaves all of the leaves off trees or whatever that she collects. Yeah. Oliver, a person leaves. You know, when she when the poet says that that name, there are all these different things she could be saying, and I and I love that. <laughs> yes, that is neat. That is extremely yeah. neat. Yeah, and I've told you before, your voice, even though you're Southern, it still resonates to me with the the, the comedian Mitch Hedberg, who also does a lot of wordplay. <laughs> yeah, I'll take it. I like it. <laughs> yeah, so so we're getting to the wind down part, but if there is another poem you would like to share, I'd be happy for that to be the way that we close out the show. I will, you know, I will do that. And um, I've got two short ones, actually, if we can book in. Perfect. Absolutely. Right. No, no, we're not in a rush. Just write it down. Okay. Yeah. The first one, both of these are um, in my first book, The Draw Broken Eyes, The World of Metaphysics, now out in the second edition through Cudgelly Press. The first poem is called Daydreams and Dime Bags. Daydreams and Dime Bags. Herman Melville is speaking to royalty in New England. I'm in the crowd, head taller than everyone else, staring at his blizzard of a beard. But I can't hear what he's saying because it's a dangerous place to be, trapped, pacing, scrabbling to be better because doing good is easier than being good. Sunflowers slip open and into something more corruptible. With them, wandering Jew and Elysium sprawl naked and tangled. Out there, against the glass, bluebirds crash into their reflection. And then dream casting as the bookend. On the backs of pine beetles burrowed beneath dense tree bark, this journey is hidden. The bedroom windows hairline cracks turn street lights into muted prisms. In the parking lot below talk of pancakes and bar fights. I'm somewhere between it and sleep, finally drifting off. Next morning, hands cupped around coffee, I sit a fresh persona. Bare feet feel alive on this hardwood floor. Dust sparkles, sifts, and settles. Dreamcasting. Beautiful. Thank you. Thank you so much, Charles Clifford Brooks the <laughs> Third. You're very welcome, Marcia Epstein. <laughs> and folks, when you're looking for his books, Clifford Brooks is enough to find him. 
SouthernCollectiveExperience.com yeah. is the website to find that goodness. And you are going to be doing things in a bunch of different states in Georgia and Tennessee and South Carolina in the very near future after this recording date. And today being early September still, you've got a lot going on. Thank you so much for making the time, Cliff. I really appreciate it. Hey, it's always an honor to be on your show. Thank you, Marcia. You are welcome. And hey, thanks to Daniel Smith for doing the technical magic with the unicorns and gnomes and whatever it takes so that our listeners <laughs> got to hear us. Awesome. And listeners, buy the books. I always say Please. that and I mean it. As I look at the pile on my table and my upstairs, that's how we show that we really value these arts. And so buy when you can. Thank you all, and there will be more delightful talk with me coming up and lots on Podbean and iTunes and Google Play to catch up with if you haven't heard them lately. Thanks. So long.